There must be a better way to describe things, to arrange words, a new way to use words to take you to a place beyond words. There must be. What's going on, guys? I'm Forrest Hall. This is Real Church Matters, where we talk real church matters because real church matters. Hope everybody's doing fine. Um, how am I doing? I'm doing good. Uh, shout out to everybody that listens. I appreciate you listening. Special shout out to uh, my nieces and nephews. Um, thinking about you this week. We move into the last uh, month of the summer. Uncle's thinking about you. Uh, what else? Housekeeping. Realchurchmatters.com is the website. Of course, you can go there and listen. But you can also just search Real Church Matters. You can Google Real Church Matters. And you can also do something else that's very, very cool. You can tell Alexa or Siri play the latest episode of Real Church Matters Podcast. And when you do that, it'll play this episode you're listening to right now. Or whichever one is the latest one. So do that. Yeah. Um, if you're a little more technological or technologically savvy, then... I would love for you to go ahead and write a review. Give us five stars. And if all you can do is just open up that mouth of yours and spread the word. And why? Well, it's pretty simple. Because I want you to know some good word that can help you. And other than that, it's obedience over audience, as always. But since we have an audience, let's get to it. It's just me again, but this is not a by myself um, episode. This is a uh, regular podcast. So thanks everybody for listening. Uh, well, one of the things I want to talk about, cause I have something to talk about. Um, but one of the things I want to make sure I touch on is the validity of the Bible. And a lot of times how people trying to prove or validate the Bible is by fact checking, uh, doing history research and things like that. So they'll take you to the tomb in which Jesus uh, died and rose. They'll take you to Golgotha or they'll take you to the garden of Gethsemane. They will show you where Moses stood. They will show you to the sea in which we believe was split in two. 
But that doesn't give the Bible validity. I believe what gives the Bible validity is that its wisdom and truths have stood the test of time and they work. And so every simple thing in the Bible, even something as simple as a quiet word turns away wrath. It is true. It can be applied. And it works. Now, just because something can be applied doesn't mean that it is effective. And so the Bible speaks or talks very big in what it promises. And the only way to prove that God is real and his word is real is by showing people that it's true. Not that the word works because not every commandment or truth in the Bible is working on behalf of you in a way that you will find pleasurable or enjoyable. But that the Bible is true. And it's truth endureth forever. And so I want you to be mindful of that because I've been talking to people and without them, I, I directly saying it. They indirectly are telling you many times that they don't believe that the word works. So when you tell them some of the things that are in the scriptures, when you tell them, trust in the Lord with all thy heart, lean not to your own understanding, acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your path. When you tell them, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all these things will be added unto you. When you tell him them, uh, love your neighbor as yourself, or love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. Or he will keep you in perfect peace if you keep your mind stayed on him. Or the scripture we're going to talk about today. When you tell them these things, people don't subscribe to it as truth. And so if you don't subscribe to the word of God as truth, how can you say that God is real? Because if he is his word, and you do not subscribe to the belief that his word is true in the sense that you will operate by it. Then do you really believe in God? I'm challenging myself with this lately. Challenging other people as I hear them talk and I hear what they're saying. Challenging myself as I open my mouth and say things that I... I that are more discouraging, that show my discouraged nature, show my doubt, show my lack of faith. I can find myself in those moments because I'm having a crisis of belief that God's word is true and that his way is true and that I can walk according to it and it will yield life in my life. So, man, one of the things that uh, that I did this week is at the top of the week, I shared a scripture with uh, a few of my nieces and nephews, the ones that uh, could read well enough to, to um, understand or at least attempt to understand this passage of scripture. Um, a few of them shared some notes, thoughts about it that uh, it was was helpful to me, and then there was a few that shared things. And I don't 
think they quite understood it. And I enjoyed watching them kind of move through a shout out to Errol. Um, but I didn't explain it to him because I wanted to do a podcast about it. And so this one is dedicated to you, especially Errol. And so in Job chapter eight, verse 13 through 18, it says, such is the destiny of all who forget God. So perishes the hope of the godless. And so this this verse is almost like a preamble. Let's us know that he'll be talking about those who forget God. Let's us know that he'll be talking about those who are godless. And we understand that when you say something twice, but using different words, then those words then become synonymous. So we can say that forget those who forget God are those who are godless. And a lot of times we don't connect those two together. So uh, people who know God will tend to say that once they're saved, they're always saved. And I realized that if I forget God, then I'm godless because the only way to have God is to have him in my heart. And if I don't remember him, how can I acknowledge him? If I don't remember him, how can I serve him or obey him when it counts, when it's time to make decisions, when it's time to operate, when it's time to engage with people, places and things. If I don't remember him, I won't serve him. I'm godless. And so the whole subject of verse 13 through 18 is literally talking about those who forget God. Who forget God. And he says, so perishes the hope of the godless. So he lets us know we're going to talk about two things about these people. We're going to talk about their. The destruction of their hope. And we're going to talk about the destiny, the end of those people. What is in their trajectory? And I want to make sure that when we talk about destiny, we are talking about not just your end, your destination, but the path towards it as well. Because all of us are destined to die. But it's that trip there that informs the destination more than anything, the trajectory. And so let's go. Let's 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 jump into this. Let's look at verse four, 14. And it says what they trust in is fragile. Who's the they? And I'm going to keep doing this because you have to have reading comprehension. You have to connect these scriptures together. The easiest way to do that is to break down the subject and keep following the subject. So who is they? They are the godless, those who forgot God. He says they trust in fragile things. What they rely on is a spider web. And not even in the sense of a spider web being, um, Oh, what a tangle web we weave when we practice to deceive. And a web is considered to be a trap in many ways. But here he's just talking about how intricate it can be 
and yet very fragile. How it can sustain a a spider, but can't sustain something heavier. And so you always got to know when you're leaning on something, can it support your weight? And so we're looking at anything other than God that we put our trust in. Remember, uh, this is also leading us to understand it. Those who forget God, those who are the godless, have misplaced trust. Part of the way we forget, because people always say, I don't know why I keep forgetting. Part of the way that we forget God is because we have misplaced trust. We trust in the wrong things. We are not trusting in him. If you're not trusting in him, then you're not seeking him. You're not depending on him. So you're not focusing on him every waking hour. If you guys ever known what it's like to depend on someone for something, they are more in your mind than you would love them to be because you need them. You are inextricably tied to them. And so when we look at this. People are inextricably tied to fragile things. Ask yourself, I need a little drop that just says, uh, uh, take notes or something like that. But for right now, just to mark this occasion, real church matters. Ask yourself, what are the fragile things that we put our trust in? He said, those things that we rely on. I love that word rely lean on or trust in. Remember when we say things twice, but in different ways, we're showing relationships synonymous. And so what we trust and rely on is fragile, like a spider web. Verse 15, look at this. It says they lean on the web. Ask yourself this. What is that action? What is that movement? When we say we lean on something. Because we know that it's synonymous with trust and rely, lean. What have you been leaning on lately? What have you been relying on lately? What have you been trusting in? Is it money? Is it your job? Is it people? Is it your skills? Is it your intellect? What have you been trusting in? What have you been relying on? I know that uh, lately I've been having issues with my foot and I didn't realize how much I rely on my foot to properly distribute weight and things. And so as as I'm moving and relying on it, but it is not 100 percent it hurts and it only hurts every time I lean on it or rely on it in a very um, unreliable state that it's in. And so when we are in these situations A lot of our discomfort comes from the fact that we're relying on things that can't support us. Not truly. Not thoroughly. One of the things I've been saying a lot lately is that money solves money problems. Money doesn't solve heart problems. It doesn't solve spiritual problems. It doesn't solve eternal problems. While uh, Jeff Bezos' millions can take him to the edge of space, he cannot buy himself time. He cannot make himself invincible or impervious to the laws of this world. He is not 
impervious to death. Money solves money problems. Money solves secular problems. So when we think about this, we look at life. We have to really ask ourselves is what am I putting my trust in? And is that trust reliable in every aspect of my life? Yes, I, I rely on a business to uh, make ends meet. But the ends that allow that money allows to meet don't complete me. Just complete some secular task or means in this station of life. So I live in America. We're a capitalistic society. You need money. I have to work to get money. Way that I work is through a business. And when it's successful, I'm happy. And when it yields money, I'm happy. But I don't understand that money to be a uh, like this thing that completes me. Not wholly. It might complete me in one regard, but not wholly. It doesn't completely help me. Just completes a task. We have to understand the difference between that too. What completes us and what completes a mission or a task. Meets a desire. Completes an agenda. So let's even let's even look further than this. He says, they lean on the web, but it gives way. They cling to it, but it does not hold. And so some of the things about the uh, the problem with what we trust in, because people always want to know, like, so what's the problem with trusting in this or trusting in that? Number one is it gives way that it breaks down. It cannot sustain itself. And he says they cling to it, but it does not hold. It's not reliable. You need to rely on things that are reliable. You need to rely on things that can sustain. You need to rely on things that are dependable. He's letting us know the dependability of the things outside of God that we trust in do not yield to us dependability or sustainability. And so sometimes we find ourselves relying on people and they're not. We we say things like people are shady and people are not dependable, reliable. And then we'll tell some other people like because they've been had a stretch of being reliable. We'll say, I wish everybody could be like you. You're so reliable. You're so consistent. But everyone has a moment of inconsistency. Not everyone can be there for you. Not everyone can do everything you need them to do because they are not there for you. That's a newsflash to people that people are not there for you and solely for you. And the world doesn't revolve around you and people's lives don't and their itineraries don't and their schedules don't. And that might be news to people. And Really, I'm not telling you that you trusting on people to take you to work 
it's like, okay, now forget about that and just trust on God to get to work. That's not what we're talking about here. Remember, secular things meet secular needs. When we talk about trust, we talk about destiny. We talk about faith. We talk about hope. We're talking about spiritual things. We're talking about people who are hopeless. They don't see the reason to live for tomorrow. And hopelessness is not something that is connected to money. There are many people who have money and are hopeless. Even though people who don't have money and are hopeless think that money will change that. Money will change your station in life, but not your state of mind. Real church matters. And that's a fact. So when we talk about faith and hope, joy, love, and a sound mind, those things are greatly connected to God. When you find yourself feeling disconnected from faith, hope, love, joy, you find yourself disconnected with those things. It is not because you don't have desires or you don't have focus or things. It's that you're not leaning and trusting in God. And it's that leaning and that trusting in God. This gives you something that nothing else can give you. That gives you that love that is dependable. Gives you that joy that is sustainable. Gives you that peace that is consistent. And maybe that stuff doesn't matter to you. Maybe money matters. For now. Maybe happiness matters for now. Maybe companionship matters for now. And so trusting in those secular things will yield you that for a time. We're not going to God for those things. We don't go to God for secular things no more than we go to secular things for God things. So remember. Those who forget God are those who don't trust God. And because of that, their hope perishes. Their trust is fragile because they are relying on something that is weak as a spider web, meaning that whenever you lean on it and trust in it and do the act of depending, it gives way. It does not hold. Then verse 16 says, they are like a well-watered plant in the sunshine, spreading its shoots over the garden. Who is they? If you're not keeping track, you will be mistaken to think this. Verse 16 is not talking about the people who forgot God, but it is. It's still talking about them. It's talking about People who forgot God, and it says they are like well-watered plants in the sunshine. Because on the top, on the surface, they are getting the things that they need 
from very shallow places. They're they're getting the money they need or they're getting the friendships they need. They they look like they have. They spread their shoots, their their vines, their roots all over the garden. They they look well off, but deep below, look at verse 17. Deep below, it says it intertwines their roots and around a pile of rocks and looks for a place among the stones. Where they are planting their roots, and we understand this is planting their roots is where they are trusting. Where they are trusting it. We see what they're doing on the surface. We see that they're getting things. They're well watered. But what they're trusting in is around a pile of rocks. And they look for places to set root in. They look for places to trust in among the stones. And. I want you to really think about, like, literally, what are the stones that you find yourself looking for a place with? What are the things that you are trying to suss something very organic from, but they can't give you that? A stone can't give you what you need. Seems sturdy, seems reliable but only serves a certain purpose and it can't serve the purpose that matters to life. That's what I love about this scripture. It's good to throw. It's good to stand on. Money can be a weapon. Money has a usefulness, but money cannot yield you life. It's not the place to to thrive in, but it has a use. Stone has a use but not for you to put roots in. We look at verse 18. Look at what it says. It says, but when it's torn from its spot, that place disowns it and says, I never saw you. And so look at this. When he says that place, he's talking about the place among the stones. He says, when you tear this plant, From that spot, there is no sign it ever was there because you can't put roots in stone. Stone never knew you, never saw you, never truly engaged with you. Always you just kind of leaning on it. It gave you no connectivity. It says nothing for you. Now, do you know places like that in your life? Literally, you find yourself leaning and depending. And all of a sudden, it's ripped away from you, and it didn't even look like you ever were there. People who you fought so hard to be connected with, the minute you were broken apart from them, it was, you weren't missed. Life went on. I think that's the unfortunate thing about life is, when we think about death and, and its uh, inevitability, it's the fact that life goes on. Because there is no place for us among the stones. There isn't. 
we're here. And there's a usefulness for these things, but these things don't have a use for me in the way that matters most. There is no place for me among the stones. And this is helpful to me. And this scripture really was something that I meditated on this week for the reality of making sure that I am applying my faith and my hope and my trust into very sustainable, dependable sources that can give me something. It can give me life. So I wanted to talk about that a little bit before we wrap it on up is how important hope is. Hope is this thing where if I don't have hope, then I don't have the gas I need to do the things I need to do on a daily basis. And so there's a lot of times where you'll hear people who are hopeless. We talk to them about doing their certain things. Like if you could just do this, if you could just read your word, if you could just trust in the Lord, if you could just love. You hear people so angry, so frustrated so susceptible to the things of this world because they've set their life up to be connected more to the world than they are God. It's unfortunate that we are in the place in society that people are putting so much hope in this world only for this world to give them nothing back. And when they're taken from this world, there'd be no sign that they were ever here. Even the most famous people, they may survive in in legacy and, and in knowledge a little longer than some. But as time goes on, everyone is forgotten. It says only what you do for Christ will last. I believe that. I believe that even as I exist on earth and know my time here is limited, I put my hope and my trust and my faith in the reality that I can have a lasting impact on this world and to the, in the people, in the lives of the people I care for more if I give them God more than I give them myself. Hope is... It's so vital. And you see people who are hopeful all the time, but what they put their hope in leads them to such despair. Because it's not dependable. And when they need to lean on it, like really lean on it, not like, can I borrow some money? Not like, can you take me to work? Not like. Can you walk with me here or do this with me? Not any of those types of things, but when you really lean on it. You guys know what it's like when you're depressed and you try to tell your friends and talk with them and look for help. Or you go to the church and you tell them what you're going through. And maybe you're a married couple and you're at wit's end and you're. You're looking for a glimmer of hope in all these avenues. You think maybe we just need to spice it up 
or maybe if the finances were better, or maybe if the kids were better, or maybe if I didn't do this or that, all of that screams of trust and hope and reliance on things that cannot give us sustainability and dependability. We really need to look at what we trust in and what we hope in because that is what I hear in every conversation. It's what I hear in every engagement. It's what I hear in every back and forth. We have an opportunity here to really understand why it's vital to serve the Lord. It seems fruitless to some people. They're like, I don't really get this. I don't get all this Jesus talk. I don't get all this Christianity talk. My relationship with him is shaky. I, I barely go to church. I barely read the word. They don't see the utility for it. Mostly because they don't see where these type of blind spots exist because we don't share these scriptures enough. We don't share the scriptures where these scriptures really diagnose and break down why you depressed, why you feel all over the place. Cause I'm going to tell you, you never, never do you feel more anxious than when you are putting your weight on something you really not sure can sustain you. It's shaky. We make these huge decisions based on such shaky things. People choose to spend their whole lives with people based on such shaky things. They choose to make children with people based on such shaky things. They choose to travel halfway across the world. Plant their stakes in different towns and states. They choose to invest their time in things based on such unreliable things because of misplaced hope, because of misguided trust, because of relying on the unreliable. Real, real church matters. Because of that, they find themselves in compromising positions. They find themselves full of anxiety, full of fear. They tell you about how they don't trust people. Yes, you are right. You should not trust people. You losing trust in people should properly guide you to understand that you need to trust. But you may just have your trust in the wrong things. So as we move through this reality, as we move through this, as we move through this life, we have to put our weight in, our leaning, our trust, our reliance on God. And I want to challenge you. I challenge you this week. Coming up 
to look at the, the, the way that you're favoring, the way that you're leaning. See what you're leaning on. See what you're trusting in. If you're not sure what you're trusting in, just look at what you're disappointed in. <laughs> Real church matters. Look at what you're leaning in. Look at look at what you're disappointed in. Look at what has you frustrated. Look at what has you anxious. Man, I can remember going to school and being so scared and so anxious. No, nobody ever just stopped and told me, like, do you know why you're anxious? I was anxious because I knew who was there. And nobody ever stops and say, why do you care that they're there? Well, I, I don't know how they'll receive me. I don't know if they'll like me. I don't know if the kids will accept me. Because I had hope. I hope that they did. I really cared that they did. It, it showed my reliance. And you may say, well, no, you didn't really rely on them. I did. When something you're really hoping for or relying on or trusting in doesn't yield back to you, you find yourself discomforted. Literally, if I went back and as a young man just understood that how they feel about me matters not to who I am or to who God is designing me to be, then I can shift my trust in him. Then, even though the environment didn't change and the people didn't change, it's a different environment for me. And the people are different and the way I engage with them are different because of who I'm leaning on. And I just use that one example, but I can look through my whole life. My whole life. I set my roots into things that are just literally places of stones. God forbid we actually someday stop playing with God and start showing him how much we love him by how much we trust him. Stop saying he's such a big God, but leaning on such small things. Yeah. I pray we find those moments. <laughs> I pray we find that understand. I, I pray we uh, come to that day. The day where we rely on God more than we rely on the church. We say we worship him. In. Oh, what a church that would look like. <laughs> the day we rely on God more than the husband or the wife. That we say we trust him for their deliverance. Man. I don't even rely on money. 
I don't rely on the clients. I can't put my hope or trust in any of those things. They turn around, they disappear. The money goes up, the money goes down. But oh, how those things are when I don't lean on them, but I just use them. Man. Oh, how awesome relationships are when I no longer lean on them, but I lean on God. That's not saying asking people for help. And I hope you understand that. Talking about who you put your hope in. Not who you hope can take you to school tomorrow. Hope can let you borrow hundred dollars talking about where you put your hope in where you put your trust in where you set your expectations to I expect the Lord to provide he uses people to provide at times I never give that designation to any particular person because I never know where it's coming from but I know who it's came from man I hope this was a good podcast for you. If you listen, I, I consider you special people when you, y'all make it to the end. So I always want to make way to the end to say thank you. You made it to the end. The music's on. That's what's up. And nephew, Earl, if you make it to the end, spend time with the word. Meditate on it. Ask yourself questions. Meditation does not mean you're just thinking about it, but you're thinking intentionally about it. You're asking yourself questions and seeking answers. Jesus name. Love you guys. Be blessed.